Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. After this message. Are you getting enough CBD each day? Hemp Meds carries the most trusted CBD oil brands like Real Scientific Hemp Oil and Dixie Botanicals to make it easy to add cannabinoids like CBD to your diet. We hold all our hemp oil products to our rigorous triple lab tested standard to ensure that you and your family receive only the highest quality and most reliable CBD products. Hemp Meds is your trusted source for CBD. Visit hempmeds.com to get our premium CBD oil today. Use discount code CBD20 to get 20% off your first order. And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. It's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the cannabis reporter, Snowden Bishop. Evergreen is calling. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Scottsdale. When Congress passed the Marijuana Stamp Act in 1937, they did so without the knowledge of the American Medical Association and thousands of doctors who had relied upon marijuana as a treatment for common medical conditions. Much to their chagrin, the move paved the way for prohibition and set the stage for pharmaceutical companies to make a killing on synthetic drugs. The Controlled Substances Act hammered the last nail on the coffin of marijuana as medicine. It soon became a distant memory, and from that point forward, you'd be hard-pressed to find any licensed MD, much less the AMA, endorsing it. So here we are, 40 years later, with 29 states now regulating marijuana for medical or adult use. Hundreds of thousands of patients have reported miraculous healing because they have legal access. If you're one of them, it's more than likely that your primary care physician didn't recommend it for you. In fact, there are very few medical doctors who know much about it at all. That seems uncanny, given the groundbreaking revelations about the endocannabinoid system and countless clinical studies that have been published in recent years. Despite the information that's available, doctors have good reasons to shy away from medical marijuana. If not for fear of risking their medical license, it's simply a matter of insufficient education about cannabis. This is a very important point that we've mentioned here before quite often. Only 13% of medical schools surveyed one year ago even mentioned the word cannabis in required courses. Fortunately, the demand for knowledge is being met by a growing community of doctors who are well-versed in the subject. After 80 years of silence from the medical community, the American Medical Association has finally come back around. Some institutions, like the Answer Page and Compassionate Certification Centers, are now offering courses that fulfill the AMA's mandatory annual requirements for continuing medical education credit. This is great news for educators and even better news for doctors and their patients. That's the topic of today's show. And I have the honor of introducing you to not one, but two award-winning physicians who are pioneers in the effort to educate medical practitioners about cannabis. Both have been named Medical Professional of the Year by the Americans for Safe Access in Washington, D.C. 
They're both principals in the renowned continuing medical education platform known as The Answer Page and co-authored courses that provide doctors in multiple states with a comprehensive overview of the endocannabinoid system and medical marijuana. And that's not all they have in common. They share a last name. (laughs) But before I introduce them to you, Dr. Brian Donner has our Medical Marijuana Minute update. What do you have for us today, Dr. Donner? Thanks, Snowden. I was happy to hear that you'd be addressing the topic of healthcare provider education today. As a physician and medical marijuana advocate, I see this as a very important issue because now more than half of the U.S. population has access to legal cannabis. When you consider that hundreds of thousands of patients are already qualified in seeking treatment with medical marijuana, it's concerning that so few healthcare providers have much knowledge at all about it. Patients who look to their providers for advice and are often met with inadequate answers, forced to get information elsewhere. Fortunately, there's almost an overwhelming number of directories and educational platforms for consumers and patients. But, surprisingly, there simply aren't many resources for those on the other end of the spectrum physicians, nurses, clinicians, and other healthcare providers. As I mentioned before, there is currently no baseline medical education on the endocannabinoid system or the science of cannabis. That means it's up to us to educate ourselves as physicians. As providers, we have an obligation to understand and consider medical cannabis treatment options, mostly for our patients, but also to have a self-understanding as well. It is imperative that we have a baseline understanding of the science and physiology behind the endocannabinoid system. It's also important that we learn how the system in our country works, including state-by-state laws, so we can advise our patients accordingly. Though we have a long way to go, there are some resources available for providers interested in learning more about the benefits of medical marijuana and even how to expand their practice to include medical cannabis. Organizations such as Compassionate Certification Centers, The Answer Page, and Americans for Safe Access, among others, have dedicated programs to helping physicians and healthcare providers become educated and understand medical cannabis more thoroughly. I'm Dr. Brian Donner for The Cannabis Reporter. I'll be back again next week with another Medical Marijuana Minute. Back to you, Snowden. Thank you so much, Dr. Donner. Let's get started. Dr. Stephen Korn and Dr. Meredith Fisher-Korn are a husband and wife team, and I'm so happy to introduce you both. Thank you for being here. Thanks very much for having us. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Let me give a little bit of background, and feel free to cut in and stop me at any time, but I just want to let people know how important it is that you've agreed to be here and interview with us because you have some incredible credentials. Dr. Stephen Korn is the founder of TheAnswerPage.com. It's a medical education website that's become an internationally recognized leader in providing unbiased, peer-reviewed, continuing medical education credit. That's the CME credits. It focuses on the endocannabinoid system and therapeutic use of medical cannabis, pain medicine, and opioid prescribing. At the recommendation of Dr. Raphael Mushalam, the content created by Dr. Korn and the answer page is featured in Israel's National Healthcare Provider Cannabis Program. Dr. Korn's the recipient of numerous awards and honors and was named Champion in Healthcare by the Boston Business Journal and has been featured on Sirius XM Radio and CBS News. And Dr. Meredith Fisher-Korn is a board-certified physician specializing in anesthesiology, perioperative, and pain medicine. Following anesthesiology residency and fellowship at Brigham and Women's Hospital Harvard Medical School, she was an attending anesthesiologist at Women and Infants Hospital Brown University Medical School. Since 2009... 
She has served as editor-in-chief of TheAnswerPage.com and in this role has overseen the creation of well over 100 continuing medical education courses in multiple areas of medicine. And if that's not enough, she co-created the New York State Practitioner Education Medical Use of Marijuana course, the Florida Physicians Low THC Cannabis course, the Florida Physicians Cannabis course, and a six-module opiate prescribing risk management course. In 2016, she was named Medical Professional of the Year by Americans for Safe Access in Washington, D.C. Wow. Okay. Was that correct? (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) Oh, I am so excited to talk to you because you both will be hosting a continuing medical education course at the World Medical Marijuana Business Conference and Expo, which is coming up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in April. Tell me a little bit about what doctors are going to be able to expect uh, for this continuing medical education course. Yeah. Well, we're very pleased to work with Dr. Donna, Melanie, and his team. Uh, they've been just excellent. Um, they um, came across us through their education and sent us a note, really high regard for the work that we were doing and the content. And we hit it off really well. And uh, they explained about this conference that was coming up. And it's the perfect setting because there will be a lot of doctors, um, patients, representatives from the healthcare industry. And it's a great opportunity to provide this education. So our focus is purely on the education. We're not involved with other aspects of, uh, of the industry. We want to ma- maintain that sort of unbiased, clear focus on the education. So what we'll be doing at the conference is um, we'll be having several speakers. One is um, Dr. Jehan Marku, who is excellent. He's um, uh, an officer with the Americans for Safe Access and speaks incredibly well on the uh, endocannabinoid system and the therapeutic and clinical use of medical cannabis. So he'll be one of the speakers. Uh, I'll be primarily focused on sort of giving the background, which perhaps we can share today, of how we got so involved in in this area of education, because I think it really tells a very good story and gives, um, it puts a story to an understanding to how little most doctors know about this uh, area of clinical care now and how important it is. And then what we'll be doing with the course is the endocannabinoid system and the therapeutic use of medical cannabis, is there's really a lot to know. It's not something that could be done in two, three hours. So what we're providing is a subscription to our uh, course at the answer page where clinicians who then subscribe will have a full year of access to the course with all the updates and new information that comes along. And they'll also have the, the ability to earn a CME credit. They'll go in. They'll take syllabus modules, and then they'll complete uh, a quiz or what we've come up with. We've come up with an industry-unique crossword puzzle for getting their CME credit. So they'll have the option of doing either one. And then this is considered uh, enduring material. They'll be able to then reaccess it uh, and then use it uh, throughout the terms of their uh, the time of their subscription. So I know that you started out not with cannabis courses. The answer page has been around for quite some time. And how did you get started? I mean, yeah. So this was a, this was really interesting. It it worked out so well, but it was not nothing that we ever anticipated. My a colleague and I um, we were uh, attendings at uh, the Harvard Teaching Hospitals in the Anesthesia Residency Program, Anesthesia Perioperative Medicine and Pain, 
And it's a great teaching program. They do an incredible job. But in, in anesthesia, a lot of times the day gets changed around how you would never expect. Trauma comes in, emergencies come in, and you may have a plan for teaching, but you may not even be working with the same resident by the end of the day to just the nature of the day. So we wanted to ensure that every day, no matter what lecture blocks were scheduled, that the residents would have daily education. So this was back in 1998. So we decided to create and launch the answer page. In fact, Meredith, who uh, is sitting next to me, uh, actually is the one who came up with the name for it because we wanted to make sure that it was a daily page or more of, of, of information. Plus, back then, we were actually using pages. Uh, it same, seems archaic, but that's how we were contacting one another in, in medicine. But we wanted to make sure that every day there was this uh, quality education. So we created the answer page. And back then, you really didn't have modules and uh, you really had to build the whole site. So we programmed the site, we built the site, uh, we self-funded it, and we launched it, and we, we wrote the content for the first year and a half. And honestly, every night, it was seven, seven days a week, um, we had new content. It was like writing a term paper you know, every, every night, every oh, day wow. and every night. Uh, but we kept it going, uh, and initially it was just a, a few of us because it really wasn't recognized as anything till it really took off. It later became criteria for promotion at Harvard and other places, and it was much easier after that to get you know, many, uh, many people involved. But we launched it for our residents, and then something very surprising happened. We started getting linked to not just from, by our residents, but by Hopkins, Harvard, Thomas Jefferson, actually in Pennsylvania, was one of the, uh, uh, the first to link to us. And then even more surprising and incredibly rewarding, we started getting thank yous from around the world. And uh, most of our content is free. There's no charge. We don't do anything with names that people who sign up. It's, it's completely confidential. And we started getting registrations uh, from around the world. And it would say things like, thank you for educating the developing countries. I always remember that one. And another was, thank you. Uh, we use your site every day. You know, we can't afford textbooks, and we use your site every day. And it you know, just meant so much. And once we got, started getting thank yous like that, we realized that we had to keep this going. And we kept it going continuously. We've never missed a day since uh, 1998. Wow. And that's, that's almost 20 years when you think about it. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's actually gone by, it's gone by incredibly quickly. It seems like just yesterday we were finishing our residencies, and now uh, you know, 20 years have gone by, and uh, you know, it's been a continuous um, operation ever since. So how long, how long has it been since you've been adding content regarding cannabis then? So that, I think, is the, the most interesting story. Uh, we, my wife, I'll speak for my wife right now also. We never really thought twice about medical cannabis. It was not taught to us in, in medical school. I never really heard of the endocannabinoid system, I think, until 2012. And what happened is we were home, um, and in the newspaper that day, there was a discussion about uh, that ma uh, medical cannabis may become legal in Massachusetts. And my wife and I, uh, Meredith and I, were discussing this possible law change. And it wasn't anything inappropriate. We were discussing uh, you know, what may take place. It was anything that anyone would hear in the news. And our 10-year-old son, you know, he was 10 at the time, overheard the conversation. And he said, guys, I, I have some questions for you. He's, uh, he's, he's really bright, and his questions, I'll tell you what his questions were, because um, it, I think it'll show, show you how poignant uh, this is. His first question was, Dad, what about carbon monoxide? That can't be good for you. And he knows about carbon monoxide, because we do a lot with internal combustion engines, we race, things like that. So he knew about that. And then he said, doesn't smoke produce cancer-causing chemicals? 
And his third question was, what if you write a prescription and then your patient has a car accident? Are you responsible? And his fourth was, what about secondhand smoke if there are children in the house? And I turned to him. I said, Bradley, I'm associate professor at Harvard Medical School. Um, I read the pain literature. And I honestly don't have a clue to any of these answers. <laughs> and um, and um, that's, that set us off on our search to look into this. And I, we realized that, you know, here we are, if we as well-read physicians and um, right in the pain literature didn't know this information, what about those doctors such as, you know, primary care doctors who are a little further removed from the pain literature who may really have no contact or very little contact with this? So we, we searched into this a bit, and um, we found that there really wasn't much unbiased quality education out there at the time. So we looked into the physician desk reference, which is sort of the, the book that we all turn to when we're looking up drugs and medications, and we realized that cannabis is not listed in there. It's not an FDA-cleared drug. It's a Schedule I drug, and cannabis is not included in the, quote, the PDR. That's the physician desk reference. Right. There, there are no FDA inserts that accompany uh, this medication, so you can't get the usual information about dosing, side effects, things like that. And importantly, medical schools, and as you mentioned earlier in your introduction, and residencies, for the most part, don't even mention, let alone teach any formal course in the endocannabinoid system. Uh, and at the time, there were very few, if any, continuing medical education courses. Most of what we found was incredibly biased. It was either saying medical cannabis is the best thing in the world or it's the worst thing in the world. And we knew the answer is probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Right. So after coming to this realization, we became concerned that really only a few physicians would be familiar with this. But overnight, the law was going to change. And you know, come January 1st, medical cannabis was going to become legal in Massachusetts, and, and doctors would really have no formal education in this. And our concern was that there probably would be two extremes of doctors. You know, those doctors who would just simply say no because either they didn't believe about in it or they just really knew nothing about it. Or those well-meaning doctors who may say yes and write a recommendation, not a, not a prescription, it's a recommendation, write a recommendation and certify their patients, but then really not be in a good position to guide their patients. And, um, and you know, they just wouldn't have the, the knowledge about administration, drug interaction, side effects, and things like that. So what we decided to do is put together a comprehensive medical cannabis uh, curriculum uh, and launch that uh, on the answer page. Wow. So you had to go basically overnight from knowing very little about it to becoming a complete expert on it. Um, Dr. Meredith Fisher Korn, you are the uh, editor in chief. So you were doing most of the writing about this. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I've had the opportunity to speak with some phenomenal clinicians and scientists, and uh, I've done extensive research on my own, and it's it's really exciting field, and we're learning more every day. Yeah. So how and, how did you how did you educate yourself um, so rapidly in order to be able to launch this? I mean, from election to January is only a period of three months. Well, I can jump in here. One, Meredith, you know, has a background, you know, excellent background in pain medicine, um, you know, opioids. In fact, the work that she has done on the opioid abuse epidemic has been used now by um, Governor Baker of Massachusetts for 
for a statewide initiative. It's actually one of the statewide initiatives in conjunction with the Massachusetts Medical Society that has been used. It's become one of their most popular courses. So when Meredith gets a focus on something, she does an incredible job and, and learns it really well. The other thing is a function of time. She, um, she, if you look back, she's probably worked 10 to 14 hours a day for weeks and months at a time. We sort of have a joke that she hasn't left her uh, PJs uh, for months, uh, even though this is on the air, she's uh, she really works. You know, it's been something that it's been an incredible task because what we realized is this is um, this is an area that just really desperately needs quality, unbiased education, and it's going to be so important for the patients. And just as an aside, when I accepted my award at the Americans for Safe Access, and uh, Steph Shearer has just been absolutely wonderful, and her team has just been incredible. They run an incredibly scientific, well-managed, well-balanced um, um, annual meeting. Something unique happened that really didn't happen um, you know, before in my career. Most of the medical meetings I go to, you never see the, sort of the end user. You never meet the patients. But at these meetings... Um, the, the unity conferences, the patients are, are in attendance. And I learned so much from the patients about their, their need and effort for finding doctors who actually really have a strong understanding in this area, have taken comprehensive courses, you know, have really educated themselves in this area. Because what they're finding is that there's a lot of well-meaning doctors out there, but just who haven't found the right resources yet or haven't been able to get that education. So, we realized, you know, this became a really a day and night activity to try to produce, you know, the, the best quality education. And the interesting thing is, once we did that, we've now, and Merith has just completed about another 40,000 word course that we she just completed probably about last week that's going through the final stages of editing, that then we'll be replacing this course because it really is a rapidly changing area and there's more and more studies coming out and uh, it's, it's uh, something that you know, we really need to keep up with and make sure we're providing the latest education to physicians and other healthcare providers. Yeah, it's... I've often wondered if there's a place for patients to go where they can look up uh, names of doctors in their local areas that have fulfilled some coursework in the endocannabinoid system or in cannabis as medicine in general. Do you keep track of that? Well, yes, we do. But we also have certain confidentiality requirements. So let me explain. So we've created, we're the sole provider for the course in Florida. And it's been great also working with the Florida Medical Association, the Florida Osteopathic Medical Association. They actually publish a list of all the doctors who've completed the course uh, so that patients can actually see which doctors you know, have taken the course, have gone through it, and completed their, that's an eight-hour course. We also are the, right now currently the only ones providing the New York State uh, Department of Health course. And New York has handled that a little differently where the, the list is not, um, is not made public, and nor have we made it public. Um, and there are concerns, uh, you know, there are concerns that you know, doc, not every doctor may, may necessarily want that to be made public. So there's efforts underway to consider making a list that would be public. We, um, we are also working closely, the answer page is working very closely with the Americans for Safe Access and it just recently launched a cannabis care certification program. And what we're going to do with that program is allow doctors to opt in 
where their name will be made public. So they'll go through the basic all the education. They'll go through the continuing medical education, the CME aspect, and they'll also um, um, maybe go beyond the state requirements because not every state has a very high level or significant requirement for the education. They may go beyond those education and get this ca- cannabis care certification and then have the ability, once they reach that level, to be, uh, to be opted in in this list so that patients will have a way of identifying or you know, finding doctors who have been have committed themselves to learning about this you know, important area of clinical care and being accessible to patients. Right. So are, are these states requiring doctors who have any kind of recommendation at all regarding cannabis to pass some of these courses that are being taught? It's, it's variable. So new, as I mentioned, Florida has an eight-hour course, an eight-hour requirement. New York has a four-hour requirement for a specific course. Pennsylvania will be introducing a, um, a, a course requirement, a four-hour course requirement, and, and Ohio, but not all of the states have a specific requirement. Uh, not all states have a continuing medical education requirement. So it, it's incredibly variable. So, so what some departments of health have been doing is since their state doesn't require education in that area, we have facilitated for them that they could link directly to our website so that it'll be offered to the physicians in that state. Like, for example, Minnesota links directly to the answer page so that they can provide their physicians with this comprehensive course. Right. And so within the body of that course, then, are the doctors being taught about the law that's specific to their state as well? That's a good question. So in New York, it's done that way. We're actually uh, the attorneys from the New York Department of Health did a great job and integrated their material with ours. So uh, that that's in the course. Sim- it was similarly done with the Florida Medical Association, the Florida Osteopathic Medical Association. Uh, we've created so a general course in our uh, curriculum to distinguish between the federal and the state laws. And the Americans for Safe Access have a wealth of information on their site uh, in terms of state requirements, state laws, um, modes of administration for each state, uh, and it's, it's, done, it's done very nicely. And it's really important because another thing that I learned through all of this was, you know, I, un- I learned about much about the endocannabinoid system, the therapeutic use in, in different areas, the receptors, the enzymes. There's a lot of science to learn um, and a lot of clinical material, but I also learned a lot about the law because, you know, before getting involved with this, I never realized how there could be such a distinction between, you know, how something could be federally prohibited but legal in the state. And I've been asked now to speak to all the district societies in Massachusetts or, or most of them. And the interesting thing is the doctors don't seem skeptical about the use of medical cannabis. They really want to learn about it. The questions are, you know, the two questions I typically get at the end of the, each presentation is, you know, where can I learn more about this? And the other big question is, where can I address the legal the legal concerns? Because, you know, doctors are worried about, you know, having problems in their practice. Will they be covered by insurance? You know, what will happen? You know, I hear that it's federally prohibited, but how can I actually administer this or you know, make use of it, you know, within this state? So those are the two big areas uh, that we see of concern. It's, you know, where can I get the education and what about the legal aspects? 
Yeah. So, so in that regard, I mean, if, if you do need to incorporate the legal aspects of this into your courses, it, each state is going to be a different course or a different um, curriculum well, for that. Correct. Well, yes and yes and no. Most of the core material will be the same. What what some of the states will do is, for example, they'll have a landing page, and they'll present the information on that landing page that's specific to that state. So, for example, they'll describe what modes of administration are legal in that state, what modes are not. So, for example, smoking may not be a, a, an admissible way of uh, administering. Uh, medical cannabis, but vaporization, oils, pills will be. So they'll put that on that introductory page. They'll also discuss which medical conditions have been allowed or you know uh, allowed for that state. And then much of that would then just flow right into the course because then the course would you know once having that framework, you really you still want an understanding. So for example, even if smoking is not allowed in your state, you do want to have an understanding about the differences in uptake and distribution, the differences on, you know, in terms of effects on the airway, things like that. So even if you know, you're limited in your state in terms of how it's administered, all of this information is really applicable. It's, uh, it's not material that you'd want to leave out. Well, also, um, there's sort of a misconception also about uh, the raw plant itself. And people need, or physicians especially, need to know that need to know what happens chemically to the plant and the reason that it can be more effective when it's um, uh, administered as a, as a smoke um, because the chemicals won't be activated unless they reach a certain temperature or unless they're extracted. Is that something that, that you also address? Yeah, we, we do. When we, you know, we, this actually goes back to my son's, uh, you know, our son's first question. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with, with smoking, you do actually, you know, you will produce certain levels of, of carbon monoxide because you're reaching a level of combustion. But when people vaporize, the temperature is actually much lower. There are fewer combustion products. So things, you know, it's, it's a different, it's very different. Um, so we address all of this and we go into, you know, go into great detail about different modes of administration. It's also really important, you know, we look at, you know, edibles, for example. So, you know, people, I think, naturally think, well, you know, taking something as an edible is, is possibly just, you know, intuitively, you know, more safe. But, you know, the, the uptake and distribution is different. So mm-hmm. sometimes people don't wait for an effect uh, because it takes longer to absorb and takes longer to get to an effect. And, and people then may, may, may take much more than that they really need, uh, sometimes even getting a dysphoric reaction. Whereas something with vaporization, you have a much greater ability to titrate to effect. Uh, so we go through all of this in great detail. Again, like any medicine, it has to be individualized for the patient with his or her specific you know, conditions, concerns in that physician-patient relationship. So you know, I may say some things here, but again, it, these are just general comments. It has to be specific for you know, a specific patient. Yeah, and I, I think that's a very important point that you're making, too, because everyone seems to have uh, varying degrees of, of um, susceptibility to the medicine, you know, whereas one person can take it in a certain form, another person can take it in exactly the same form, and it affects them so completely differently. 
Yeah, much has to do with whether someone's naive to it, or, or you know, or they've you know they've taken it before, so it's something new, or they've taken it before. Other medications that they may be on. Uh, mm-hmm. This gets you know we get into the level for physicians and other healthcare providers down to what's called the cytochrome oxidase system, because if you start blocking certain enzymes, not only can it affect the the overall um, efficacy of the medical cannabis, but it can affect drug you know other drug levels that patients may be taking. So again, like any medication, and that's my point, is just treat this as you would any other medication, treat it with the same respect and treat your you know, patients with the same respect that you're going to look at the entire patient, all their coexisting disease, what other medications they're on, and make a really solid caring plan for your patient. How revolutionary do you think the discovery of the endocannabinoid system is to the practice of medicine in general? That's a good. That's a great question. I, I think um, I think we're going to learn so much more about the endocannabinoid system. Its homeostatic effects. Its effect on immune function. It's uh, uh, it just, there's just so much. Uh, I've had the incredible pleasure of. Um, interacting with some great researchers. And um, I'll just tell you an anecdotal story that's quite relevant. Um, I asked Dr. Raphael Mishulam, I sent a letter to him and asked if he would give grand rounds with me, uh, the the, uh, education teaching rounds uh, in uh, one of the Harvard teaching hospitals in in Boston. And to my surprise, um, he, uh, he readily accepted and he gave a phenomenal presentation. He came with his, uh, his wife and, and family, and we've developed uh, an incredible uh, relationship with him where he's now written a lot for us. He's written some incredible um, material for us on, on uh, inflammatory bowel disease. And then we had the honor where he asked if the um, Israel Ministry of Health could use our material um, for, their, uh, for their initiative with their physicians, and now it's, it's, it's part of their educational material. But the, the work that he's doing and continues to do after you know, six decades of research in this area, just you know, eye-opening in terms of the potential you know, applications and, and uses, of how it can affect the endocannabinoid system, homeostatic mechanisms, everything including uh, drug resistance. It's just, uh, it, it's just a, a, an incredibly interesting area. And what also is amazing is it's hard for me to believe that I've gone through medical school internship, residency, then, you know, involved with fellowship programs and, and read the literature. And only recently am I learning about this system, the endocannabinoid system, that's in every vertebrate. You know, we, we all have it, yet only recently uh, really has it come to light in the literature. And it's interesting. Now, when I read my anesthesia literature in the premier journals, just about every month now, there's another study, another you know, rigorous clinical study on the endocannabinoid system. And that's another reason we want to do this teaching and have this resource through the answer page available, because not every doctor who comes across the endocannabinoid system in in one of these studies will really understand what it comprises, you know, the regulatory enzymes, the the receptors. So we want to make sure that there's also a place for now when it's sort of, you know, appearing in the literature, people have a place to turn and say, oh, yes, let me find out let me really understand the endocannabinoid system and now start looking at these studies. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are completely blown away when they just see how many aspects of the human body 
it, the endocannabinoid system governs or is impacted by, you know, neurology, for example, it seems that the endocannabinoid system can really um, transform the way that uh, people look at uh, autoimmune diseases and neurological conditions like CTE and that sort of thing. I mean, do you, do you get a lot of doctors uh, giving you the aha moment? Yeah, yeah. It- it's it's sort of epiphany after epiphany. It's been uh, it's it's been, it's been really exciting, and that's another thing I, I've said is um, is that you know the, most of the people we're speaking to and uh, the audience are well educated healthcare providers. These are mm-hmm. people who you know really have great education, and I never thought in my career as an educator I'd be in a position to teach them something really new. I mean, a lot of what we do on the answer page, it's meaningful and it's, it's, it's new material. We teach on cardiovascular disease, renal disease, but rarely is it something brand new to our audience. Um, but what with the endocannabinoid system, it, it's amazing. I never thought in my career I'd be introducing an entirely new system to so many well-educated healthcare providers. Yeah. So I'm getting that aha moment. You know, we got that aha uh, moment, and now we're sort of sharing that with, uh, you know, with our multiple audiences. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the system. It's the, the uh, drug itself. That it, yeah. it's, it's such a, a groundbreaking discovery, you know, I would think. It, it, the science behind it is just so fascinating. The National Academy of Sciences actually published a report, I don't know if you saw it, about multiple studies that um, they were looking for evidence of the safety and efficacy of cannabis by looking to studies that had already been done. And there's a daunting number of studies that are available to the public. And um, I talk about this all the time because I... uh, I could spend hours and hours reading some of these studies, and it, it just never ceases to fascinate me. But what they did was they drilled down on, on a summary of the studies that have been done with humans in a clinical setting. And I found that to be a very useful report because it does um, contradict a lot of the information that's out there, and it, it points to the safety and efficacy of marijuana as a medical tool so it, it was pretty interesting so yeah so we know uh, especially meredith we know all 400 pages and all those references of that report incredibly well that expl- that talks to some of the reasons why meredith is working 12 to sometimes 16 hours a day because we've gone through you know every aspect of that report uh and it, it's it's very important because um you know there's a there's you know there's a lot of anecdotal reports out there, both you know, positive and negative, things like that. But really, when you're looking at populations of people and you want to do the best for patients, um, you really need to take a scientific, systematic approach because really, above all, you don't want to do any harm. And um, so, you know, this was, a, this was an incredible work. And our new course, which, uh, as I mentioned, 40,000-plus word course, uh, you know, reflects the findings of, uh, you know, all, all the findings of this 400-page um, doc- document from the National Academy of Sciences uh, and integrates it with uh, the basic, um, the basic uh, education that, uh, you know, we provide in terms of understanding of the endocannabinoid system and then putting it in a frame of reference with all these studies. Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is fascinating. It can just 
keep you busy. Dr. Fisher-Korn, you've, you've, as an editor, and you look at all of this stuff, I mean, it's, it must be completely daunting still for you. It is. And every day I look in the literature and I'm always reading new articles. And that's what I think I, I really, I like about my job. I'm learning every, I'm learning something every day. Yeah. And you're, you're an accomplished physician yourself. I think it's so fascinating. I'd like to go back to Israel because I was, I was very impressed with the fact that you're providing an education platform for Israel, which, as I've mentioned to you before, is so far and above where the United States is in terms of its acceptance and use of cannabis and the studies that they've done and all of that. And for those who don't know, um, Dr. Mishulam is, is, I would consider him to be like the granddaddy of the endocannabinoid system and uh, practical uses of, of marijuana. As I mentioned before, it was, um, I sort of took that bold step. I do this every now and then in my career where I realized, you know, in our Harvard system, we had not had a, a formal lecture on the endocannabinoid system, medical cannabis, and it fits in so well with um, what we do in terms of studying pain, anesthesia, analgesia, um, uh, perioperative medicine, and it just fits so well. So I wrote a letter to him, and um, as I mentioned before, he he responded that he, he would be glad to come and, uh, and uh, give grand rounds with me. And uh, as I mentioned, he couldn't have been warmer, more, uh, more wonderful. And we've developed this incredible relationship. As I mentioned um, that he's written syllabus topics for us and contributed guidance and, and a lot of our content. And then, um, and then at one point he had asked, uh, he asked uh, not too long ago, if uh, the Israeli Ministry of Health could utilize uh, some of our content and they made it part of their, uh, their initiative uh, for their physicians. And uh, we got a, it was a very nice thank you, and it, we're, we're, we're noted at the end of the report. And um, so we, we're, to us, it's one of the highest honors that we could achieve uh, that he'd want to include you know, our work um, for something that he's been focused in for you know, six decades. So uh, we were very pleased since you know, we're relative, you know, since we're relatively new in this area, but have done so much, you know, to really try to create the most expert, you know, content as possible. Have you been working with the ASTM or or any of the um, individuals who are out there trying to get the general consensus on on universal cannabis standards? Yeah. So you know, we we get many inquiries. A lot of people make use of our content. Um, where the Americans for Safe Access has been very involved also in terms of um, you know, in terms of dispensaries, in terms of uh, making sure product is you know what it should be and what it states it is. Um, our focus, we're trying to maintain a very clean and clear focus on education, so that no matter what no matter what level of scrutiny you look at us, there won't be any conflict, real or perceived. So we're trying to. Um, and though we've been very involved with politicians, but you know, from Republicans to Democrats to advocacy groups to you know, wherever it may be, uh, I think we've been so well accepted because we're just staying focused on trying to provide the the cleanest, purest, you know, unbiased information um, without you know without um, 
really actually a position or, you know, a, a financial uh, conflict. Right. And no alternative facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, what you're doing is incredible. And I'm really anxious to listen in on some of what you're doing with the CME. I will be at that conference in Pittsburgh. Oh, great. I'm anxious to see the response from people there on the ground. For our session, um, um, it, as I said, we're going to be focused on introducing the audience to the answer page, the resource. Uh, then uh, Jehan will be, uh, Marku, Dr. Marku will be focused on the endocannabinoid system and clinical uses. Um, we'll be discussing uh, dosing, uh, other aspects, you know, uh, side effects, uh, drug interactions, you know, the, the real basics. But again, in a three-hour period, that just touches on this. And that's why we decided to create this um, medical education library where people then can go back to it as a resource. So, for example, you may have a patient today who you know, has Crohn's disease, and you may want to read about you know, irritable bowel or inflammatory bowel on our site, but it may be kind of overwhelming to read about all the other disease states at the same time. But then a patient may come along or you may get an interest in epilepsy or, or uh, you know, ALS, you know, things like that, MS. And you, uh, so you may want to actually then go back to this resource and really look at it in more depth. Plus, just reading about or hearing about the endocannabinoid system just once or twice is really a lot to, to understand to memorize and to also, you know, to assimilate. So it's it's not an easy topic. Um, so we want to, we really want to have this medical education library so people can go back to it. So part of the, the kind of the conference, we're really going to walk people through what's in the medical education library, how to access it, and then also how they'll be receiving updates. Because very shortly, we'll be launching this uh, this new program, uh, as we mentioned, a lot based on the findings and the summaries from the National Academy of Sciences. So we want to make sure everyone understands that, you know, that will be coming along also and how to integrate that with their, uh, with, with their base, uh, their knowledge base at this time. Right, right. So what is the takeaway that you would like to communicate to our audiences? They range from uh, people who are skeptical to people who advocate and everyone in between, including patients and doctors, um, is there anything that that you'd like to express? Yeah, I think this is, I think it's an incredibly exciting time. So as an anesthesiologist and supposedly pain expert, I felt incredibly limited by a lot of the, the modalities and drugs that I can use. So for example, I've had a concern about opioids well predating, you know, this goes back 20 years, I, I developed technology to help monitor patients so they wouldn't have adverse respiratory events and, and death. Uh, I've had a huge concern about this. That's why I was on CBS News years back before ever thinking about medical cannabis. So we're incredibly limited uh, by a lot of the drugs that we use for pain control. Benzodiazepines have their concerns, especially in the elderly. Um, you know, opioids have their concerns with respiratory depression and addiction. So this is incredibly exciting that it could be you know, a new class of drugs, a different class of drugs, by working on different mechanisms, some synergistically, some separate, uh, that can really provide you know, well-being for patients. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of it's going to depend on the outcomes of studies, so we can't just universally walk, you know, walk away and say, well, it's going to you know, cure everything. 
But I'm incredibly optimistic that there's going to be a lot of well-conducted studies that will show you know, great you know, therapeutic benefit um, uh, you know, down the road. Do you see cannabis and cannabinoids, uh, endocannabinoid system being considered a, its own special discipline in the future, like specialty in the endocannabinoid system, such as a specialty in anesthesiology? Yeah, you know, I could see that, but I think what would probably be best is if it were more integrated in terms of, you know, how, you know, be expert at that, be expert at the dopaminergic system, be expert at the serotonergic system, be expert at all these systems and integrate it so that you can, you know, solve problems for patients. Mm-hmm. So maybe it will be integrated, you know, again, under the heading of like pain clinics and under, you know, pain control for one area. Uh, there may be experts sort of in inflammation. You know, there may be, you know, I don't, you know, there may be shifts, you know, in terms of how we approach medicine, as opposed to sort of a system by system uh, method. There may be things where we approach things, you know, sort of by pain, by inflammation, mm-hmm. by you know, sort of modes of, you know, modes of action. Uh, but whatever way, it really needs to be part of the curriculum. It needs to be part of, you know, doctors' understandings um, and uh, and other, you know, other healthcare providers. Right. And Dr. Fisher-Korn, do you have anything to add to that? Um, A few things. I think that it's going to be important for all clinicians to learn about the endocannabinoid system, because as you had mentioned earlier, the endocannabinoid system is a far, it has effects in basically every physiological system. It affects the nervous system, the GI system, um, the digestive system. and digestion, it affects mood and temperature regulation. And this um, and medical cannabis is, is presently used in chronic pain, in MS, in epilepsy. Um, it's used by GI doctors, by pediatricians, by geriatricians. So Oncologists. Right, of course, and oncologists yeah. too. So... I think that it may become a specialty, but it's also going to be something that all specialists will need to know about. And the other thing that Meredith and I have discussed, and we've discussed this with many people, is you know, it's whether or not you have any, any plan on recommending medical cannabis, it's going to be very important for you to understand medical cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. So we're not saying, you know, every doctor who takes our course should then go recommend medical cannabis. What we're saying is the education is incredibly interesting, not to be self-serving, but it's important because your patients are going to be coming to you with questions about this. And, you know, whether or not you want to be recommending it, and some patients actually, you know, may have um, already be utilizing medical cannabis. So you really want to remain that expert for your patients. So you'll be able to address these questions, address their questions about drug interactions, address their questions about, you know, efficacy, what, you know, what, what expectations that they should have. You know, a key is aligning expectations with outcome. So you also really want to be that, you know, advocate for your patient so that you can really explain this. You don't want your patient to come in and feel that, you know, this is a topic that they can't discuss with you either because you're not interested or because you just have no, you know, knowledge in this area, you want to be, you know, you want to remain that expert to your patient. So I think, uh, I think it's incredibly important, you know, for all physicians to really, you know, have this education. Yeah, and and conversely speaking, um, doctors should be educated about cannabis before they disavow 
the use of it to their patients who come and ask them about it if they've already started some kind of protocol. I've actually heard that side of it as well. You know, the, the complaints that, you know, they ask their doctor, they say they're finding healing and there's, they're told, well, you know, I don't really think that's, <laughs> I think it's really important for, for people to be educated, whether they believe in it or not. As, as Dr. Donner has said in the past, and as you have said too. So, Wow. Well, I'm getting the signal from our wonderful producer, Wendy West, that it is time for us to begin to wrap this up. So um, on that note, I wanted to just say thank you to you both so much. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I wish we could go on for another um, hour. It would be... <laughs> it, it would go by very quickly, I'm afraid. <laughs> So, anyway, so thank you again. It, no, it's, it's been a pleasure, and you know, thank you for this opportunity, and um, you know, thank you for bringing this to light because I don't think people that many people realize that this is not central to all doctors and other healthcare providers' education, and this may uh, you know, give people a much better understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you and, both again, and um, anyway, if you would like to learn more about. The work that both Dr. Stephen Korn and Dr. Meredith Fisher-Korn are doing, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. Click broadcast to find today's episode, and we will post information about the answer page and uh, the upcoming CME course that they will be presenting at the World Medical Marijuana Business Conference and Expo, which is being hosted by Compassionate Certification Centers. I would also like to say thank you so much to... Dr. Brian Donner for our Medical Marijuana Minute. He will be back again next week. A million thank yous to our producer, Wendy West, and the team here at Star Worldwide Networks for making us shine. And thank you to our sponsors, Hemp Meds and Suffer Labs. We couldn't be doing this without your support, so we truly appreciate it. And last but not least, thanks to all of you for listening. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm your host, Snowden Bishop. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay informed, share what you've learned, and make it a great day. Evergreen is calling, evergreen is Pure CBD is a new and unique fresh tasting spray product which delivers an exact measured amount of the highest grade 100% cannabis oil with each spray. Each tube holds a 30-day supply when used as directed. No smoke, no mess. For discreet use, Pure CBD can be used anywhere. Pure CBD from Zephyr Labs.